0: So I'm going to speak a little today about sowing and weeping, because that's what all this business on this earth is about. I want to tell you something, that I don't want to go before the Lord without having understood and practiced to the ultimate extent God's law of sowing and weeping. I want to see weeping go on long after I'm gone, unless the Lord comes while I'm still alive, and then we all go together to our reward. But if there's another thousand years behind me, I pray that I've lived my life in such a way, and what I'm really saying is I pray that you've lived your life in such a way that though you would be dead a thousand years, your life would still be speaking to somebody and still producing fruit in this earth. I look at Paul he has been dead 2,000 years. And I tell you, he's still speaking. Jesus has been dead, as far as this world is concerned, 2,000 years. None of them are dead. They're alive forevermore. Hallelujah. But gone from this earth, and they're still speaking to us. And way back there in Adam's time, Adam bore children, Cain and Abel. Righteous Abel is still speaking to us in this day and time. See, that's the point. If you live your life as you should live it, if you do with your life what you should do, if you pour it out in the right way for God... And I want to tell you, not only will it bear fruit in this life while you're alive, you'll see it with your own eyes, but when you close your eyes and go on to that next world, your life will keep on bearing and reproducing and reproducing for a thousand generations. Now that's what to prepare yourself for. See, just think of yourselves as, I've got something to sow. I've got something to give. I've got something to pour out. Steve talked about giving love. See, getting love, but you don't just get love. That isn't the purpose of getting love. Jesus had love. He didn't stay up there in heaven. God the Father had love. He didn't stay up there in heaven and say, I love my son. My son loves me. I love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves me. We love each other. Isn't this wonderful? No, that love had to spill over to touch us. And God loved you so much and me so much. that even though we were enemies, as far as the cross was concerned, as far as life was concerned, yet God loved us so much he gave. See, He spilled out or he sowed his love. Right. And the result of it is, here we are 2,000 years later rejoicing in that love that he sold, See, Now, we have love. Now, what's the great danger? Well, I'll tell you what Satan would love to do. See, he'd like to tear the love out of your heart if he could. But he can't do that. He'd love to do it, but he can't. See, but then if he can't do it, you know what he'd like to do? He'd like to bottle it up all inside of us. Well, I've got love. My, life. my wife loves me. My children love me. We all love each other. Oh, we got love, love, love. and We just... Then finally, one day, we're trying to leave this earth. And we don't leave behind one thing, except an in love. Well, thank God, that's not what you've been trying to do, and that isn't what you are doing. Hallelujah. You're, you're spilling this love out. See, that's why there's a church full of people today. Because when we came here, the little group. And then you start spilling love out like this. You just show people the love that you have, and the next thing, it's spreading all over everywhere. So now I want to talk about them, the laws of sowing and reaping, God's plan. you what it can do if you want your life to be abundant if you want your life to be full if you want your life to be joyous if you want your life to be happy if you want your life to be radiant i'm going to tell you how to do it today let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer heavenly father i just pray now in the name of jesus for your abundant blessing on this word and i pray that lord for the sake of your people i pray lord that what you put in my heart here Lord, I want to sow that in their hearts. I want that, and I ask Holy Spirit, you stand beside me, you help me, you empower me with efficiency and might and the anointing, that that word will be sown efficiently in their hearts and powerfully in their hearts and wonderfully in their hearts. And Lord, it will go forth with the love of God. Grant that, blessed Holy Spirit. Grant that, my eternal Father, for I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, now I'm going to read up scripture to you, and I just want you to listen to this because it's from the Living Bible. Everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful givers are the ones God prizes. For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant, and later on good crops to harvest to eat, will give you more and more seed to plant, And we'll make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. Yes, God will give you so much so that you can give away much. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise to God for your help. All right, I'm going to read it again. Now, pay careful attention to Scripture. If there's anything that I think is foundational to a joyous, happy life, it's these four short Scriptures that I'm going to read. See. If nothing else were understood by you except this reality right here, nothing else were understood, and you just did this, I would guarantee your life would be filled with joyous and happy experiences of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read it again, and I'd like you to listen. But remember this, if you give a little, you will get a little. To give little, get little. Basic foundational reality. So what should you be planning to do then? Give a lot. That's the idea. You're going to give of yourself. My very light pulse that I give to the gospel. All right. Then he goes on to explain that a farmer who plants just a few seeds will get only a small crop. Well, we you know that. Nobody has to tell us that. Well, sure. He plants two seeds in the ground, he's going to get something back maybe, but he won't get much back. And here's a farmer who plants acres with the seed. He's going to get tons and tons and tons of grain. So... You plant a little, you get a little, you plant a lot, you get a lot. A farmer who then plants just a few seeds will get only a small crop. But if he plants much, he will reap much. Now, everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later. You'll understand why that is true. Because if we have seed, it's like I have to decide what to do with the seed that I have. I can either commit it to the soil, which means I can't eat it once it's committed to the soil, or I'm going to tell you, once it's given like this, then I don't have it for myself. It's a very real principle God wants you to take of what you have, and that includes love. Now, I want to say that people sometimes make a, a real mistake here, and they say if you give away love, you have all that you gave away and even more. That's not true. Not exactly true. It's true in the long term. It's not true in the short term. I tell you, Sometimes you're called upon to give love and you get nothing back for a period of time. I mean, no one's loving you in return. You're pouring it out, you're pouring it out, you're pouring it out. It's almost misunderstood and no one cares. And at some point you can feel like utterly exhausted. You have no more love to give. You're just given and given and none's given back to you. But now I tell you, if you've given it, guess what's going to happen? At Due season, the Bible says, you shall reap if you faint not, and pretty soon love starts coming back, and it doesn't come back just what you gave, it comes back greatly multiplied. But there can be a period of time when you've committed your love to the soil and you're exhausted. You're utterly exhausted at that moment. You can't give any more. How many mothers have ever felt you've given about all you could give and you're exhausted? Have you ever felt that? Can I see your hand? You, you, you I felt that. I'm not a mother. Everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. you got no one to stop, or where you're going to stop, how much you will want. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to. There's no point in that. You know, twist your arm or make you give. And sometimes we used to tell people, that would say, if you don't pay your tithes, God will break your arm. (laughs) He'll give cholera to your hogs and burn your barn down. See? Now you better give your tithes. People say, uh, yeah. okay, God. Well, they were not cheerful givers, exactly. I really didn't see any happy giving there, see. Now, that isn't the principle that God is telling us to give from. You know what the principle God is telling us to give from? To give. Cheerful giver. Here, Lord. Hallelujah. See. And God says, I'll give it back to you. He kept fresh now running over. Men will give it in your bosom. It's a joyous experience. It's a privilege. It's a wonderful thing to be able to give. Because God says, prove me now and see if I won't do something for you. What will you do, Lord? Ha. I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There'll be no room to receive it. I will do this. I will beat the devourer. I will. See? Oh, I say, Lord. <laughs> That's what it supposed to That's the principle. Hallelujah. Alright. So I want cheerful givers, hilarious givers. Now, don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful givers are the one God prizes. For God, now here's this wonderful principle here. For God, who gives seed to the farmer. Any seed the farmer had, God gave him in the first place. And if God gave it, why do you act like he has not given? Everything. The Bible said in our place, we only give to you that which is your own. You can't give God anything that is on his own. The earth is his, and the cattle is his, and the gold and the silver, and you go out and work, and you get some of it under your trust. But it's his. They say, all right, now, honor me, honor me, honor me. Here, here, i get it all. See, and the wonderful thing it is, if you give it all to him, what does he do? He turns around and gives it all back to you. It's wonderful. No limit to it, For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant, and then later on, see, here's this this period of time, you commit it to the soil, you can't eat it for a while, and later on, good crops to harvest and eat will give you more and more seed to plant. Not only will you get plenty to eat, you get more and more to plant. And will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. Yes, God will give you so much that you can give away much. And when we take your gifts, and here Paul was talking about a particular thing, he was going to have the Corinthians take them off and take the saints in Jerusalem because they were going through a famine. And so he's referring here to this. He said, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise God for your help. Now, Job, I'm thinking of our brother Job. He understood it law long before it was written. You see, when Job's experience happened, you know none of the Bible was written. before that time see, before the written Word of God it's actually written about him by revelation through the Holy Spirit was given about this man Job but this man Job he was referring to himself at one time one of the secret sources of his great blessing and prosperity and he said I gave to the widow and I gave to the orphan I gave." and he said they blessed me I want to tell you there's nothing so powerful as the poor person to whom you give in love and mercy and kindness and that person turns around and says oh god bless you sir god bless you oh god bless you god i tell you the bible says you give to the poor the bible says you lend to the lord and the lord will repay the bible says he that gives to the poor will never suffer want you know why because those poor people turn around and they bless you i don't know how many i've given to in my lifetime turn around virtually everyone i've given to oh god bless you god bless you god You know what they just said? God, bless him. And I want to tell you something. You talk about the windows of heaven being open, the windows of heaven are open. See, the law of sowing and reaping. You give and you receive. All right, now, if we can understand that in that basic law of life, we're prepared for a life of joyous experiences in him. Hallelujah. Now, first of all, I'm going to give you a little review of purpose and vision. It means, first of all, the purpose of our living and our dying is to glorify God by every means, especially exalting Jesus Christ. Now, how do we exalt Christ Jesus our Lord? By, one, being in unity, by preaching the gospel on all the earth, the Great Commission, going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and, number three, by manifesting the life of Jesus here and now. Now, I want to talk about one aspect of that vision, and that is preaching the gospel. And I'm going to be talking about sowing and reaping. See, sowing and reaping. I want you to think about yourself as instruments of sowing. What you have in you, you receive. received. Now, when you are preached to, whether you're from this church or another church, I know there's some visitors here, when you are preached to, the Bible calls this book seed. This is like a farmer's seed, except this is a seed of God's heart. See, this is his truth, his reality. It's his very life imparted. The Bible calls Jesus the living word. It speaks of this as the written word. This is Jesus in written form. This is God's spirit poured out in written form. This is his very nature poured out. This is heart. This is reality. This is life. And when you open yourself to that word, that word comes into you and produces not just what went in, let's say a seed of salvation went into your heart. When that seed of salvation goes into your heart, it just doesn't produce salvation like, oh, now I'm saved. No, what it does, it begins to grow and it wants to spill out of you just like when you plant one seed in the ground, you don't get back one seed. There's a their flower grows up and then one seed on it. What happens is this flower grows up and then it has hundreds of seeds or 30, 60, and 100 fold the Bible speaks about. See, it's not like one, it's many. And then maybe it's like one of those puff balls and the wind comes by and hits it and here was just one seed you put in the ground, it grows up, and here's all these little puff balls all ready to go. And somebody, like this, and, and they're caught on the current of the wind. Puff balls. The wind hits them. And you know something about funny about those puff balls? They don't just go over in the next yard or in your yard again, like, see, just like this. You know what they do? Some of them do that. And you've got more of them, next year. They, but You know what some of them do? They're caught up by the currents of the wind. And they land over, maybe in Asia. That's right. You go right place in the world, and I guarantee you'll find puffballs. <laughs> you know how they got there? They got caught up in the current of the wind like this, see? The wind being like the Holy Spirit, and, oh, and then they stopped down here in Asia. And some are in India. And some are in China. And some are in Europe. Somewhere in the North Pole and the South Pole. I don't know if they grow up there or not, but they got there. You can be sure. See, bad ground didn't grow, but they got there. Now, what I'm trying to say is, that's God's principle of life. That God's principle is great multiplication and then spreading of the seed, like in all directions. Not just locally where you are, but everywhere throughout the whole world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, that's the principle of life. Sowing and reaping. Now... What are the elements of preaching? I'd like you to turn with me now, if you'd like to, in your Bibles, to Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter. And here we have another marvelous law of sowing here. Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter. Now, bread means life-giving, that which feeds, that which nourishes. And whenever you talk about waters, waters means seed, people. So whenever you talk about the great waters, you're talking about peoples. All right, so here's this principle now. Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. In other words, it doesn't go away from you, but after many days. Now, at first, you cast your bread on the waters, and the tide goes out, and your bread is gone. See, now, if you made a mistake, then you've lost your bread. But I'm going to tell you, when you do it according to God's law, it goes out, and then what does it say it does? After many days, it does what? It returns to you again. All right. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight. For you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Don't keep it all to yourself. A great error. What you have, you must simply divide it to seven, eight. In other words, spread out your blessings, everything you have, spread it out. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth, whether the tree falls toward the south or north, whether a tree falls, it lies. Verse 4. He who watches the wind will not sow. Very important principle of sowing and reaping. You're going to spend your time, well, this is not the time to love. This is not the time to give. This is not the time to preach. This is not the time. I want to tell you the time to love all the time. I want to tell you the time to give all the time. I want to tell you the time to preach the gospel all the time. Time to witness. See, you can say it each time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Now, the Scripture itself is going to say exactly that. Just as you do not know the path of the wind or how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, So you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Now, here it is. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. Now, what he's saying is, when you've got the idea this isn't a time to preach, he's saying you don't know that. Well, this is a good time to preach. I will tell you a good time to preach. All the time is a good time to preach. Every time you get a chance is a good time to preach. because you don't know. A person may be saying, yeah, I've seen this happen time and again. You're witnessing to somebody and they say, oh, man, buzz off with that junk, man. I don't believe in that stuff. Things must be, hey, you, still. I mean, you must be weird. I mean, you're crazy. I mean, you're really dumb. Oh, help me. I need Jesus. See? And just about like that. Or the next morning you find the guy, oh, I couldn't sleep after what you told me. And now I've given my heart and life to Jesus Christ and now I'm a Christian like you. And then some other person standing there and, yeah, tell me more. Oh, man, lay it on me, man. This is a real rap. Oh, I want to hear it. Oh, more, 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 more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard it a thousand times. Sorry, bud. And he walks off. See, you think, you know when to preach. I'll tell you when to preach. Preach all the time. Preach every opportunity you get. I preach under every circumstance I get, no matter what it is. If I can get a word in for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to get a word in for the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason I'm going to do that is I don't know who else got some word in for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know something? Much of the harvesting that we did in the Jesus people movement, I don't think I had anything much to do with it. A little bit to do with it, but not too much to do with it. You know, Jesus said in one place, he said, I sent you to reap that wherein you bestowed no labor at all. He said, others have labored, and you are entered into their labors. You know what I think? I wanted to get out of Eureka. I didn't want to be there at all. I didn't like Eureka. I didn't like anything about Eureka. I want to get out. Oh, Lord, send me to Los Angeles. Any place but Eureka, see? Now, you know if a guy is praying to go to Los Angeles, he is desperate to get out of the city where he's in, because that's a a terrible place to go. I'll go start a church in Los Angeles. Let me out of here, oh, Lord, see? And he said, no, you stay in Eureka. So then I'm at this little church, and here I'm up there, and I'm preaching every Sunday and so forth, and after... You know, about a year of it, I get tired of it. I say, I'm resigning this church, you know, I carry you as far as I know how to carry, I believe God will carry on, bless you and so forth and goodbye, see. And here's, I got a few older ladies and some younger men and so forth there and a couple of older men at that time. And they were praying, oh, God, God send revival to Eureka. I pray you pour out your spirit on Eureka. And they were out witnessing, telling their neighbors God's going to send revival, get right with Jesus. They didn't know much about witnessing. You know, they normally, the way they get witness, you better get right with God. Your dirty works will burn you in hell and you better. So, But they got people saved. Just I don't think it matters how you witness too much. Just so you do witness. Amen. That's the main thing. Because that worked too. I can tell you that it did. But anyhow, I would resign. I would go away. And then they would come and get me. Brother Durkin, you've got to come back because God wants you in this church. And I'm, oh, wow, no, oh, oh. They, the last time I resigned, third time I resigned, they came to me and said, Brother Durkin, you've got to come back. Why do I have to come back? Look, I No, don't tell me I have to come back. Yes, you have to come back because God showed us this church is gonna be full and people are gonna go out through all over the world, Brother Durkin, and Eureka, revival revival's coming to Eureka, and you've got to be a part of it. You're supposed to be your nation you've got to go see. say. And so oh, six people now in the church. The thing is gone. Six people and they hold them. Yeah, Brother Durkin? you really do, Brother Durkin. I go, so, oh, 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 let me go I get on before God said, Go back to that church. See? So I go back there. And then few months later, God sends the first sprinkle of blessing, Like guess, see. And then from there, boom, 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 see. Now, I wanted to ask you something. If I had had my way, do you think I would have known to sow in that city? I wanted to get out of there. Let me out. Oh, God, I can't stand this place, see. But you know who was sowing in there? These old ladies were sowing there. Oh, God. Pray for brother I pray for revival. I pray for lost souls. Now, when the people came to Cain, I don't think they were ready for what came. See, they did, they were not, they were kind of caught off guard, too. Because they thought, you know, Eureka was going to just start up and people come in here and a lot... Of, but here they came in from everywhere all over the world. Hallelujah. And they were flooding into that church and getting trained and going out. And that's the result why this church is there. But you know something? When we get up to heaven, and we're looking back on that, you just be sure if i got any reward coming, I'm going to step aside. I know I am. And those old ladies are going to be right there. Wow. <laughs> A couple of those older men. And they're going to be smiling like this. Oh, we kept it there, brother. Where can you stayed there? God is going to say, now, son, see this reward. Uh, you want all this? And I'm going to say, you know I don't deserve that, Lord. Where do you think it belongs to? Right over there, those smiling people over there, those old ladies and that. Oh, they aren't going to be old ladies then or old men then. They're going to be the boom. I'm saying, you come on up here. This is all yours. Hallelujah. All I did is entered into their labors. Now, however, since that time, I want to tell you, I'm sowing my own tears. I'm sowing my own prayers. I'm sowing my own witnessing and you know what I've been doing watching these years, the last three and a half years? have been years of tears and years of pain and years of heartache, and we've seen all kinds of rending and tearing as the divider has tried to tear us apart, but he has not succeeded because God is the covenant-making God. He watches over covenant performance, and the devil hasn't been able to get away with it. And now we've come out the other side, and it's starting to rain on the soil with those tears have been poured in the ground and the seed has been planted in the ground and we've witnessed and witnessed and witnessed and witnessed and poured out love and whatever else and now I tell you something it's ready to start springing up we're going to see a harvest like the which we have never seen before in all of our life, you better get ready for it because it's coming, hallelujah I tell you it's coming and the rain is starting to fall, hallelujah and we're going to be a part of that great harvest that's coming now I'll give you some laws here then, so you make sure that you apply your life carefully here. If you sow persistently, you reap persistently. Remember Ecclesiastes? Sow your seed in the morning. And do not be idle in the evening. Now it doesn't matter what you feel like or not. Tell me something. When a farmer gets up at 4.30 in the morning, do you think he feels like it every morning? When he gets up and wow, it's great to be alive, and oh, I love 4.30, and whoo! See, the rooster isn't even up yet. <laughs> so. An hour later, the rooster, cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> By that time, the farmer's been up and he's got his seed on his back and going back the old way, and he's got his hand in his sack and barely the crack of daylight, and he's out there, he's sowing like this. I he doesn't feel like it, but God says, sow your seed in the morning then the burning heat of the day comes up and this noontime is beating down on his head and he's drinking water and he needs to cool off and he's had a little bite to eat and he's tired and he's weary. God says, do not be idly eating. Now, do you think he feels like it then? No, he feels less like it then. See, it's like, wow. Oh. So you're seeing. I say you don't know whether one or the other both alike will succeed. You don't know, see, just like you don't know how bones are formed in the womb or how a child grows, you don't know which of those seeds are gonna grow. All you have to do though is you don't have to worry about it. You just sow abundant seed, see? And don't go out there with one seed and say, well, since I don't know which one will grow, I'm just gonna commit one. If that does, at least I haven't lost too much. You wanna sow, sow abundantly. Commit your seed to the ground like this, see? Now, I did a little thing a while back, and I took God's law here, you know, sower one-fourth to sow. And I said, well, I'm going to give myself some givens here. I said, here's the givens. I said, let's take the sower who goes forth to sow, and that's old oh, broadcast sowing. We don't do it that way anymore. But over here was the hard ground, and then here was some rocky ground, and here's some weedy ground, and over here, the a large part, of course, would have been the good ground. I mean, farmers going to toil up, turn up good ground basically, but he gets some weedy ground, rocky ground with it, and then the road path where he walks, that's there too. And uh, but I kind of I did the worst possible case. See, I said, let's say 25% of the seed fell on the hard ground, and it's lost. I mean, the birds came, take it, Jesus said. So they get, no, nothing happens out there. Remember, the seed is the word of God, and the ground is the people that are out there. Believe me, 25% of them are not hard ground, and 25% rocky, 25% weedy, only 25% good. I'm going to tell you. There's far more people out there ready to receive the gospel. We get out and give it, we we find out they would get saved. You give it to them, they're going to receive the word. The problem is they don't get the seed sown on them. God's ready to rain on them as soon as we're ready to sow the seed. But we've got to put the seed in. It doesn't matter how much he rains on them. If he rains on them, there's no seed. You have no roots in the ground. It's going to wash the soil away. But if you've got the seed in the ground and then God rains on it, it's going to grow. That's what the Bible teaches. But I took the worst possible case, 25% on the hard ground. That's lost. And 25% on the weedy ground, and it's lost. And 25% of the rocky ground, is lost. And only 25% on good ground, but it brings forth 30, 60, and 100. So I said average of 50, just kind of on the low side of that average there. Now here's my question. If you start with 100 seeds, hardly enough for a meal, and I took it for that reason. See, if you steamed up some wheat seed, it would swell up in the bowl, pour some milk on it, you have one meal, maybe half a meal, something like that, it's not very much. 100 seeds, that's all. I'm saying, well, if I throw this to the ground, What's left for me? I can starve if the seed doesn't really grow, and uh, uh, what happens if it's a famine, and then sow the seed. See, that's the principle. Now we sowed a 100 seeds, and 25 percent, 25, so 75 of the 100 seeds die, and only 25 percent grow. Not a question. Do that seven times. How many seeds do you have at the end of seven times? Answer, four and a half billion seeds. Four and a half billion seeds, though you're losing 75% with every planting, but God's law of harvest is so great, once you hit good ground, that good ground brings forth 30, 60, and 100 fold, and it's multiplied mightily. Now, you want to fill the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know how many people there are on the earth? About four and a half billion people. How many people you got here? 150 people? That's more than my 100 seeds. Let's go out and start planting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You plant it everywhere you can. You sow it everywhere you can. You give it everywhere you can. You plan to do it. And you know what will happen? That seed will multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply until it fills the whole earth. Some of it will blow over to Asia, some of it will blow to India, some of it'll blow to Africa, some of it'll stay right here in Olympia, some of it'll blow up to Tacoma, which is done, some of it'll blow up to Seattle, some will blow down to California, some of even blow back down to Eureka and help us give us a revival down. See what I'm trying to say, it will multiply everywhere. You don't have to worry about losing it. Oh, if we exhaust ourselves, what will happen? You'll never exhaust yourself unless you can exhaust God. If you can exhaust God, you'll exhaust yourself. Hallelujah. Now I'm not saying sometimes you won't get weary. That's when it pays to sow the seed the most. The sun's beating down on me. Oh, God, it is heavy. What should I do? Sow the seed. You know what I did the last three years? When the devil was hitting us with everything he had? I sowed the seed. I got out and preached the gospel. See, I could say, oh, God, you've forsaken us, and you've abandoned us, and the devil's killing us, and I think I'll just crawl off in the hole and die over here. You know what I did? I picked up my left foot. And I put it in front of my right foot with this bag of seed. And, and I pick up my right foot and I put it in front of my left foot. And, like this, see? Now you know what's happening? Hallelujah. You go down to that church and hear new people coming in all the time. See? Like this, see? Church is growing. Everywhere we to hear good results. Of course, you guys always have revival up here. How do you always have a revival up here? There must be some methodology where you work up here or something. <laughs> I know what it does. He pours out that love. Juanita pours out that love they're talking about. That's what does it. Hallelujah. Alright. Now I'll tell you a little thing else about spiritual law. I've learned some very important principle about it, at least for myself. There's a special law concerning the spiritual harvest. You know, in the natural, if you have a man that has only a hundred seeds, and you have a man that has a thousand seeds, and this man commits a thousand seeds to the ground, he gets a harvest based on a thousand seeds planted. And if here's a man over here and he has only a hundred seeds and he plants it, he gets only a tenth as much harvest as this man over here, because this man planted ten times as much seed. But I want to tell you in the spiritual law, and I listen to it very carefully, it's a very important law to understand, years ago... My wife and I were desperately poor. I mean, monetarily poor. Because this law applies to everything. It applies to money. If you want to prosper and God wants you to prosper and be in health, if you want to prosper, this law applies to money. If you want to see souls saved, it applies to souls. If you want to see love, your life filled with love, it applies to love. See, there's every good thing which God has given responds to the law of sowing and reaping. So that's the basic idea now. You've got to have it. So it doesn't matter where if you want good deeds coming into your life, so good deeds. I mean it's a basic premise of life. If you want neighbors to be good neighbors, be a good neighbor. It's a very simple premise of life. Go out and so being a good neighbor. See I'm a good neighbor. Can I help your neighbor? Can I be a friend to your neighbor? Can I work with your neighbor? Can I do something good for your neighbor? Now guess what happens if you do that? Your neighbors will turn around and be good neighbors to you. That's basically what it will happen to do. The Bible even says the people that are put in places of law, authority, their authorities over us, and says, "How will you get them to give you praise?" Says, "Obey the laws." In other words, support these men, pray for them, watch over them, try and help them in every way you can. Says they will give you praise. See, in other words, it will come literally back on your head. Whatever you send out, that is exactly what you're going to get back, and you're going to get more. Now that's the basic law of life. But we come to this one thing: What happens if a man is a poor man? So he has very little love. He just like maybe he's a brand new Christian. And uh, he's overflowing with love, but he hasn't had much capacity for love. So the little capacity he's got, it's spilled over real quick. So he's, oh, I feel so full of love. And for where he was, fantastic what he's experiencing, see. But he's only got really a little bit of love, see. And here's this poor man, and he's only got a little bit of money, or a poor woman, she's only got a little tiny bit of money, or maybe she's a widow, or an orphan, or aged, or he, or whatever the case is. You only have a little bit. Now here's a law. And it's a special one for the spiritual law of life itself. It's more powerful than any law that I know because it's completely different what the world understands. Jesus one day was standing and watching some rich men throw their gifts into the treasure. Remember the story? And they came by and they cast in, who knows what they were casting in, gold coins and silver coins, or maybe diamonds and rubies, and they were making a tremendous display of what they were giving. And then along comes this little widow. And she has virtually nothing except two little mites. And that was just nothing. I mean, just very little bit of money. They just barely enough to live on for a very short period of time. And she comes by and she's holding this like this and she says, Oh God, I just feel so unworthy. I have so little to give. And I just feel that, that compared to these men you've blessed so greatly and these women you've blessed so greatly and look at all that they can give and I'm so thankful, Lord. God, can you receive my little tiny gift? God, it's all I got. I just got two little mites here. And I feel so ashamed almost, Lord, like I wish I could give you treasures of gold and silver and frankincense and myrrh. And it's all I got. But God, I want to give it to you. Here, Lord. And then she sneaks away. Jesus, standing there watching that. Isn't that wonderful? He's always standing there watching. You can't give anything without the Lord. Look at that, Father. Look at that. See? And he says, you see what that woman did? Oh, yeah, she gave uh, two mites. But Oh, boy, look at this. The gold. Oh, look at this. A lot gold and silver. Oh, look at this. Jesus said, get your eyes off that. Well, what should we be looking at, Lord? You see those two mites? Yeah. She gave more than they all. Because she gave all the living she had. Now you know what that law is, and here's the law, see, God doesn't base your giving on the absolute amount you give. He bases your giving on how much you have left after you give. Right? In other words, what kind of pressure is left on you after you give? See, if I give out of my abundance, here's a man who earns a million a year, let's say, and he gives 500,000. Well, that's a huge amount of money. So he gives 500,000. But tell me, if you had only 500,000 left, could you still live pretty good for the year? Well, yeah, it wouldn't cramp anybody's lifestyle that I know of. I mean, you know, it'd be doing pretty good, see, and they'd probably save a good amount, invest a good amount, do all kinds of good things. So, though this is a tremendous amount, we encourage everybody to give as much as you can, but I'm saying if you have only a little, and you give even a little of the very little you have, see, you pay your tithes, and all you get is $200 a month, and you give 20 of that to the Lord and then you put an offering in and there isn't very much and pretty soon you're down here to a pretty small amount of money and that's what you got to live on and that isn't much you know what God says about that? that's a huge amount that you've given and that's what money represents money represents life what you gave is your life that's all the life she had left and maybe it wouldn't be enough to live maybe she'd starve I mean that's what the devil would be because she's never going to starve God's going to take care of her hallelujah you can be sure of it. He'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. there be no room to receive it. I'd like to, somehow, when I read these stories, the Lord stops. I say, why don't you tell me the rest of the story? <laughs> I'd like to write it up. I'd like to write it up how God opened the windows of heaven on that widow that gave the two mites, and that was all the living she had, and now she's going home, and she doesn't know how she's going to eat. I'd like to write it up, what happened after that. Wouldn't you like to f- read that story? Yeah. And then God did this, and God did this, and God did this, and she, oh, 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 God, where is it? I don't, what do I do with all this? Well, you know what to do with the first? Yeah, give it. Oh, I'm going to give it. See? And one day, I don't know what, she might have been down there dumping in her gold and silver, but she wouldn't be doing it like them, see, well, out of my abundance. She'd be like, hey, Lord, you have all this, the Lord, to just take it, see? That's the secret of prosperity. That's the secret of prosperity. Give when you haven't got anything to give. And if you don't give when you haven't got anything to give, the Bible says even that will be taken away from you what you seem to have. Now, I've got only a little bit of life left. Well, you know, if I had a little bit of life left, I'm laying on a bed and I'm sick, see? And I only have a little bit of life, and I'm going to go to heaven pretty quick. Doctor says, don't speak to anybody. Be very calm. You're going to extend your life. Maybe you'll even live one hour if you be very careful. Don't say a thing to anybody. You know what I hope? I hope that somebody comes in there I close my eyes and say, oh, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a spirit of travail, and I pray that I can say the right word to this person, and open my eyes and start preaching to God, so, God, keep quiet, keep quiet, keep quiet, you, you're going to take your life. I pray you get saved, and they fall down there, and the last thing I'd like to see them pray unto God, and I don't live the hour. I only live 15 minutes, but they got saved, hallelujah, and I go to heaven. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Hallelujah. See? That's life. That's life. Hallelujah. Oh. Not how long I can make my life extend itself like this. See, and I, oh no, Lord, I'm trying to get this last hour in, so I'm not witnessing, I'm not praying, I'm not asking forgiveness for my sins, I'm just holding on to the last. You better hope you've got a lot of time to live if you're going to do that. <laughs> no, sir, we sow it. Now, down in Eureka, something's been happening to us. I've been praying to, for God for a revival down there, and uh, God is starting to stir up some mighty powerful things down there, and so we're planning for evangelism, and I want to give some recommendations to you here. See, the Bible says there's no possibility, first of all, of giving without intending to get back. I don't know how you can give. How many of you think you could give with no expectation of getting back? See, I already told you what not to expect. I want to tell you something. You, there's no way to give without expecting to get back. And I want to tell you something. If you do not expect to get it back, you're negating the promise of God. See, now I want you to give with the expectation of getting back. I give, I always expect to get back. I want returns. Not only am I a businessman, I'm a biblical businessman. I want returns according to this book. You know, I say, well, I gave to the poor, I expect nothing. I expect, I expect a lot back. Here's what the Bible says. If you give to the poor, what? You lend to the Lord. And God says, thanks, Jim, you'll never get this back. Is that what he says? What does he say? And the Lord will repay you. (laughs) How much do you want me to give to the poor, Lord? I can't think of any better place to put your money out. When the Lord pays back, he doesn't just give you 5% like you get at the bank. You know what 5% means? Five one-hundredths. Of a hundred, see? So if you have a hundred dollars in the bank, at the end of the year, the bank will give you, though they've loaned that out with a lot higher interest and they've made lots of money off of it, they will give you five dollars for your money. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, that's the place to keep your money, all right. <laughs> now God says, why don't you lend it to me, son? <laughs> I'll give you three thousand percent, six thousand percent. Or 10,000% on your money. Amen. You know what he's done over the years? From this place of being desperately poor, that my wife and I had nothing. Amazing how long the months were and how short the money was. <laughs> we ran out of gas, a to drive, had to call up somebody, can you take me down to work? All right, Jim, I have got gas money. Oh, we're, we're, we're <laughs> Pretty bad didn't believe in tithing either. Didn't have money enough to tithe. Don't you not understand that? How I many of you understand that sometimes you have so little money you can't afford to tithe? I want to tell you something, if you have that little money, that's the one thing you can't afford not to do, see? But I didn't believe in it. I just knew it. I can prove by the New Testament that the New Testament doesn't do anything about tithing here. You show me where it says something about tithing here, and I'll go tithe. Well, that's now, it. Like this, see? And I didn't tithe and the months got longer and the money got shorter. <laughs> the car broke down more often and the gas leak, oh, all kinds of crazy things went on. Finally, I said, honey, I said, you know something, it won't hurt to try it. <laughs> We're in a bad way. I mean, this is terrible. So okay? I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to make a production out of this. I'm going to tie it now. I'm going to do it. See, I've heard different things. So I got my paycheck and by then I was earning 97 bucks a week, heavy duty money. I mean, this is, you're in the big stuff. Ninety-seven dollars a week, and I would get it in cash, and I would bring it home, and I would spread it all out before it like was on the table. I think the whole ninety-seven dollars with the change, 22 or something like that, and I spread it all out there. Now I said, "Oh Lord, this is all yours." See, boy, suddenly I was getting a real revelation about this. See, it was it's all mine. I need all of it, and I need a whole lot more too. God, can you give me? Some? <laughs> now I'm going to learn about sewing. So, it's all spread out before God like this. And I say, Lord, this is all yours, and you've told me that I'm to honor you with the first fruits of all my increase. So this is $97.22 increase over last week, and I'm going to give you $9.72.2, and I will keep track of this. Then there was something like, a thought went through my mind. If you hold God to that kind of accounting, that's the kind of accounting he's going to hold you to, why don't you round off to the next highest figure? And I said, Lord, I'm going to give you $10.00. Oh it's, now uh, all right now you you can laugh at that, but I mean for this guy who wasn't into it at all, this is a big step. I mean, ten bucks or generosity is just bursting out of my heart oh, all over, but I did it. My wife agreed. She was with us. She was on the end of tithing all the time. Anyhow, I was the guy that wasn't in tithing. You know, I'm I you that, like this, but she was in. Oh, let's give it to the Lord. Oh, man, what's the matter with you, woman? Don't you understand economics and finances and uh, problems? You don't understand these things. See, men understand these things. Yeah. Men really, I'm going to tell you something. If they didn't have good wives praying for them, this world would be a wreck. It's nearly a wreck now, but it really would be a wreck if were Anyhow, we began to give offerings to God. And then some strange thing happened. The money extended out and lasted the whole month. And then the car didn't break down so much anymore. As a matter of fact, it didn't break down at all for a long, long, long time. And just like I think for many days, I ran on the fumes that were in the gas tank because I didn't buy any more gas. But it lasted. You understand what I'm saying? When you give, God starts doing these minor miracles, which aren't minor, they're wonderful things. The next thing I was getting a raise and this blessing happened and that happened the doors of ministry opened up and here we were just... See, I want to tell you something. In my lifetime, I've learned the secret of prosperity and I've learned it this way. When God starts urging me to give, when it looks like it's not time to give, sow your seed in the morning, sow it in the evening, you know, not whether one or like or both will be good. When He starts urging me to give... He's telling me two things. Number one, revival is right at hand for me and for maybe a whole lot of others. And number two, God wants to prosper me even more. Now, you know something? In those years, we prospered. We become blessed. We become financially independent. We're not dependent upon the ministry, though I depend on the ministry. See, I mean, it's right that people should give to me because I'm ministering the Word of God to their hearts. And some have asked me, well, if you have enough to live on, why do you take money from people? I don't take money from people. There's a blessed privilege they have of giving to those who deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they understand that principle, they hear, I'm going to sow into this man's life, I'm going to sow into this woman's life, because they're going to take the gospel and sow it into other people's lives, and therefore I'm sowing through them to other people. There's a privilege of participating with people in the preaching of the gospel. But I want to preach the truth to you. Financially, I'm independent. Right? Now, how did I get that way? By following this principle of sowing and reaping, I sowed money into the kingdom of God. I sowed it into missions. I sowed it into the churches. I sowed it into the poor. I sowed it into every opportunity I get when the offering came by today. You know, I put money in that offering. They say, well, wait a minute. I'm a visitor here. I mean, when you took tithes and offerings. You said tithes and offerings for the church. I put money in your offering. Why did I do that? I believe in sowing into this church. I believe in sowing on every opportunity. I hope some of you visitors sowed money into this church. Because it's a good, godly church. Put money in the offering. I believe in that. Whenever that happens, my finances just blossom out. Now, just recently, I was down there praying. We were kind of going through this Larry Lee set of tapes, and they really had a profound effect on my life. Very blessed. And uh, How many of you know why I say Larry Lee tapes? You know, I I thought most of you did. All right. So we're talking about the part, give us this day our daily bread. And then in there, I began to see some financial needs that we had in our local church and throughout the ministry and so forth. And I've been praying for those financial needs in the church. Lord, give us this much more money in our local church. Eureka, they need it for this and mobile needs it so we can get the gospel out. And we need to increase the giving to five times what it is overseas, uh, because a lot of them over there are going through some pretty heavy privation. We gotta pick up the giving over there to those people and Lord help that. And then this thought came, give $25,000 to God this year. $25,000, $25,000, how would I do that, oh Lord? I want to do it, you know, I'd love to give you much, much more. And then I thought, that, give $50,000 next year. I'm like, Lord, is this you? And then I'm, I get quiet before God, and I know it's God. Give $25,000 to me. And I said, Lord, I want to give $25,000 to you this coming calendar year. I'm going to start right now. I want to give $25,000 to you. I don't know how to do it. It's all God's, hallelujah. I don't own anything. It's His, hallelujah. See. So I started doing that. You know what's happening? Ah, I'm starting to prosper again. Do you realize what can happen if this keeps up? God's going to say, "Give me a hundred thousand. Give me two hundred thousand. Give me." I was listening to a show last night on this tape. Said so first he had three hundred. Thought so this is if he ever gets to three hundred, that is the ultimate. There you have a church that is the. Maximum monster church of all time. So, then he gets 300, and Holy Spirit says, Can you believe for some more? Oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't. Uh, how do I handle 300? I mean, you don't have to worry about handling 300. I handle 300. See, I handle. See, I handle. Okay, God, I believe. And then here's the church up to, now it's up to a half a million. He said, The Holy Spirit just spoke to him and said, Can you believe for a million? See? You understand what I'm saying? There's no limit to God. It's almost like we're the ones who limit ourselves. We have almost like this limitation, and the limitation is we're the guys who do it to ourselves because we stop up the flow of God's blessing. Here, God is pouring it in. He pours in first a little stream, and then there isn't very much. So we, oh, we're givers. Oh, well, okay, we've learned to give now. See, so God gives a hundred dollars, and we give quite a bit. And then he pours in two hundred. We give pours in four hundred. Then one day we say. Wait a minute! Now he poured in ten thousand this month to me, and uh, my normal premise is to give eighty percent. I'm giving eight thousand a month into the church. Why, Joe here, he's only giving uh, ten dollars a month in the church, and Mary here is only giving uh, seventy dollars a month, and Joe is uh, see. And we go through this. I can't give this much, and then we stop up the flow, and we put it all into this basket, and we start sticking it down like this. And then one day we look around the stream, and we're waiting for more, and the whole thing is dried up. That's what happens to a lot of people. Their love dries up. Their money sources dry up. Their gifts dry up. Their blessing dries up. The next thing, they're sitting around grousing and complaining because the church is dead. The pastor's dead. Don't get anything out of the Bible. Christianity isn't working for me. I don't get it. What's wrong? So forth and so on. Once when I was a kid, I was having a good time in the Lord. Now that I've become more mature and can see life like it really is, there's nothing. You know the only thing that's wrong? We dammed up the flow of God's blessing. You know, all we have to do punch a hole in the bottom of the basket and let it drop out into the kingdom of God. And you know what happens? You turn around, and look again, and you'll see a little wetness in the ground. It'll start trickling down like this, and make the hole bigger. Then there'll be a little more coming down, make the hole bigger, and then be a little. Then take the basket and throw it away and let the stream pass on. Drink what you need to, eat what you need to, and pass the rest on to the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you something, there will be no limit to God's blessing in your life. Sow the seed in the morning. Preach the gospel to the people in Olympia. Preach it to those in Tacoma. Make sure it's preach in Asia. Make sure it's preach in India. Make sure somebody in Africa is here. Get your gospel. Get the word out. Get the money out. Get the love out. Get the life out. Pour it out. And I want to tell you something, nothing could be more wonderful than you like Paul and you like Jesus and you like Peter spill the last drop of your life's blood preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you if you did it, see, that's all you got to give. You gave it all, then. And I'll tell you if you could give it all, there'd be no limit to the harvest that would take place after you've given it all. Amen? Now, you see, what's wrong with an unsaved person? I'll tell you what's wrong, why they're not happy, why nothing ever works right for them, why they're miserable with life. You know why it is? Because they're giving nothing to Jesus of their life. See, at least the people that are here, I'm saying if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, I want you just to think about this for a minute. See, here's what the Bible says to do. He says, give me your life. Give me your heart, my son. Honor me. Bless. Do this. Sow your seed. Give love out. Pour it out. I pour it in you. Pour it out. That's what he's telling us to do. See, now the extent that we do it, to that extent we're blessed. I tell you, I'm a blessed man. I'm a happy man. I'm a joyful man. I, I've got friends. I've got loved ones. I have people to care for me because I poured love out over the years, and that love has come back to me. Now we come down to the end of it here, and I'm asking you this question. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you're saying, what is he talking about? What is he talking about joy and peace and happiness and contentment and all these wonderful things and just blessings and uh, I don't know anything about that. Man, I, I've got my money and I have to work for it. And my wife, man, she doesn't do what I want. Or my husband, he isn't doing this. And our marriage is like this. And our children, man, I, you know, it's a hard life. And I It's a hard life. Hard life. It isn't a hard life. We make it a hard life. I tell you, the Bible says you can even count it joy when you fall into all kinds of testings. You can rise above it in it's joy unspeakable and full of glory because He gives you the victory. Hallelujah. But you know what that comes from? From spilling out your life for Jesus Christ. See, so here's what a Christian is. He's a person that, before he's a Christian, he's over here and he's got all his life self-contained. Here's Jesus saying, give me your heart. So you can say, don't you give your heart to anybody. You just be a slave to me. You do what you want. I want. I must have. You must give me. I have a right to. This is mine. I want. I, 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 I. And that whole thing just... I want, I want nobody gives me, I understand, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna take, I want. See, that's what's wrong with the unsaved. That is what being unsaved is. Totally separated from God, totally contained in ourselves, a slave of the devil, no understanding about the law of sowing and reaping, whatever. Our lives are unhappy. Never found a happy sinner yet. Never found a happy sinner yet. See, one man told me, oh man, you know, I'm happy, I'm living it up, man. See, I meet him a little later. Oh, Jim, my life is a bummer, man. I, we shouldn't kid each other like that. He so goes, ah, I'm really happy. Well, he means he's drunk. That's not happy. Comes the morning hangover. Oh, what a bummer. What a bummer. No, that's not happy. See, then what makes a Christian? He's in his life. He said, this is going nowhere. See, like me with tithing. I can prove to you. Tithing is not in the New Testament and I'm not gonna do it. Anything God tells me to do, I'll do, but you didn't tell me to do that, I'll tell you right now. See, and here I am in this miserable place, my finances are wrecked, my life a wreck, my wife and I arguing over money and she says, Why don't we pay our tithes? Oh, we'll tithe. oh, what's the matter with you? Even our life is terrible. And finally I say, Our life is terrible. Why not admit your life is terrible if you're a sinner? Why not admit it? It's terrible. See? That's what I did. I, we're gonna do for God, what God asks us to do. I start doing it. Suddenly, peace and joy and blessing. See, so what is a sinner? A sinner is a guy self-contained. Where's a Christian? He says, this life is a bummer. Lord Jesus, will you take my life? I give my life. See, I give. For the first time, I give my life to you. Will you come into my life? Will you teach me how to live? Will you take over and be my Lord? Will you run my affairs? Will you help me, Lord? Will you show me what life is all about? No wonder, the first time, no wonder a Christian with this little teeny capacity for love, I mean, it's about the size of a pinhead. It's about all he's got. There's nothing much there. And the Lord comes in touched that, and it's so great because he's never experienced love before. He just spills over with love. Oh, I love everybody. Oh, I love everybody. And he's just going all wild like this. You can't imagine. See, he's just, love, 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 love. Like, you see, where did that come from? Jesus said, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. See, he's not talking about you need massive amounts of love. It's like a grain of mustard seed. You say to this mountain, be removed, it be cast to sea and obey you. It would do it. Now he's talking about love. You we'll have just a tiny bit of love in a great desert of nothingness. And it's going to seem like an ocean of water. Isn't that? Like, oh, water! That's what will happen. See, that's why the minute you touch Jesus, joy springs out of the human heart. I've never seen one yet that got a hold of Jesus. The next thing they didn't want to do was just love everybody, praise everybody. See, now the next thing comes. Oh, I love, 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 love. And I want to be loved. Love, love, love me, love me. See, he's getting love. Now he's not careful. That little love he has, this little pinhead of love, will start drying up like this. Then I've seen Christians sometimes after six months if they don't get some good teaching. Well, it seemed great for the time, but now I'm going through kind of withdrawals. And I don't know if I'm just on a temporary high or a real high. See, but if you get into the right kind of teaching and someone says, come on, right now, we're going to go out and witness about Jesus. Right now, you're going to start giving to the Lord. Right now, we're going to show you how to pray. because <clears throat> That's kind of giving, too. Right now, we're going to show you how to give your love to the widows and the orphans. And Right now, we're going to... And he starts giving. She starts giving. You know what happened to that little pinhead? And then God starts pouring in more love. The day, and they can begin giving like this. Now, one day, they're going to stand up like Paul... He said, I determined never to preach Christ where he'd been named, but to take the gospel and preach it wherever he wasn't named. And he said, now I have fully preached the gospel to every creature under heaven whereunto I have been sent as a witness. That man poured out his life and love. And the result of it is 2,000 years later, we still listen to his words for direction as to how to run the church in our day and our time. Why? He spilled it out. Now the question I'd like to ask this morning, would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? I'd like to know if there are any unsaved here this morning. You know what I mean by that. You haven't given your life to Jesus. You haven't given your life. What you're doing is trying to get people to give to you. I have a right to this. I demand this. I want this. I need this. I should have this. You understand what I'm saying. All of us understand what I'm saying because we've all been there. If we're not there now, it's not because we weren't there once. We were there. And we know how miserable our lives were. Now I'd like to ask this morning, is there anyone here? Don't know if there are any unsaved here this morning, but if there is. You know that I understand you, don't you? You know that I've been where you were. You know that I know what it means to be miserable and unhappy. And I know the reason why. The reason why I never gave my life. I never gave it to Jesus to be spread abroad to the world. I never gave it to Jesus that He could put His love into me. I never learned to give anything. I grew up learning to be a taker. Oh, I learned to share a little bit because I expected to get something back from that person. But I never learned just to give it to God and let Him pay me back in His own way. Now, if you're here this morning, you're saying, man, I know what you're talking about, preacher. That's where I am. I'm not happy. I'm not content with life. I want to tell you something. Give your heart to Jesus. He'll come in and change all that around. He'll show you how how to give love. He'll show you how to be changed. He'll show you how to heal that wound. He'll show you how to replace your fear with faith. He'll show you how to change the whole nature of life itself. That's what Jesus will do. Have you heard this morning something I want to do personally for you? See, if I could sit down with you just one-on-one, how I'd love to do that, How I'd love to listen to your story, because then I would say, "Well, I've been there. I know what you're going through. I feel that. I thought like that. I felt like that. I know the hurt you got. I know those things. I've been there." But I want to tell you now, I'm on the other side, and I know the answer. And the answer is, give your heart to Jesus. So I want to do something for you this morning. If you're here, I want to pray for you. I want to have that privilege. If you're here this morning, I'd like you just to raise your hand and say, I'm where you would describe, preacher. And I want to be able to do something about that. I want you to pray for me that I can learn to give first of all my life to Jesus and then my life to others. That this process of sowing and reaping may start occurring in my life. I've been sowing all the wrong things and I'm reaping the wrong things. Now I want to sow the right things and reap the right things. If you're here this morning, would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. Anyone here this morning does not know the Lord, know what I'm speaking about here this morning. All right, I didn't think necessarily anyone was. I just want to throw that out there. But now, to you that are Christians, I'm going to ask you something. How many of you are here this morning that you've been slowing down on your sowing? Either you're letting fear get in there, it shouldn't be there, you're letting a little bit of that self-centered nature take hold of you, and you know that's wrong. And you want to throw that off. And you want to abandon yourself to sowing. Because you know that's the only way you're ever going to reap. You want to sow more now in these coming years than you've ever sowed in all of your life. You're sick and tired of pulling back inside of yourself, and you say, Lord, here, Jesus, here I am. I abandoned myself to the harvest that's ahead. Pray to the Lord of Sabaoth that He will send laborers into the harvest, for the harvest is ripe. Don't say four months. They're ripe right now to harvest. There's a world out there that's pleading for us. They're waiting for our prayers to be prayed, for our money to be given, for our voices to open up and preach the gospel to them. The whole world is crying out. There are men to be sent, women to be sent, teams to be sent, people to be sent. This song we sung today, glory, glory, hallelujah. I've seen his glory and I want to see that glory filling the earth and I know that's what you want. Now, I want to ask how many of you have been slacking off, but you're saying, I just want to abandon myself to the harvest. Would you raise your hands? I see, yes, I see those hands. I see them all over the place. Now, how many of the rest of you, you're giving all you know how to give, but you want to ask God to help you even give more. Would you raise your hands right along with them? Hallelujah. Let's just all stand up before the Lord, shall we? Hallelujah. Father, I want to pray. I want to pray, Lord, because my hands are up with them too. Lord, I tell you something, you're showing me how to give more than I've ever given in all of my life, Lord, and I thank you for it. You're showing my wife what a precious jewel she is. When I spoke to her about giving that $25,000, said, let us do it, let's do it, hallelujah, she's with me. Father, she hasn't got any fear of the future, and I don't have any fear of the future. I just have trust in you, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, that's where my trust is. Now, Father, I pray for those that have raised their hand, those that are here in this congregation, Lord, we present ourselves before you, Lord, as laborers to be thrust out into your harvest, Lord. Father, there's a harvest out there that's ripe. It's just ready to be reaped down, Lord. Others have prayed for it. It's ripe right now. We're going to be praying for it. There's going to be yet other harvests down the way, Lord, that we're praying for, Lord. But we're going to go out and reap that harvest, Lord. We're going to sow the gospel seed, Lord. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to give to the gospel, Lord. We're going to give our lives to the gospel, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, and this gospel is going to get preached. It's going to get preached in Olympia. And it's going to get preached in Lacey, And it's going to get preached in Tacoma. And it's going to get preached in Seattle, Lord. It's going to get preached in Washington. And it's going to get preached in the United States. And it's going to get preached in Europe and Asia and all the world, Lord. And we're going to be a part of it. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.